While the children are being dismissed, take your Bibles and go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 10. Joshua, chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 12. Before I uh, begin the message, I'd like to make a few comments. Uh, I'm sure many of you are already, but I would encourage you to continue to pray for our pastor. Uh, We rejoice in the blessing that uh, the arrival of his grandson and uh, we're so thankful that uh, mother and child are healthy, doing well. And so continue to pray for them as they travel back home. And uh, I know they would appreciate that. And then uh, just to mention, I was able to go to the summit with the, uh, the church. And I enjoyed myself. And it was a pleasure just to be with uh, our folks that went and to be with them. And uh, they just uh, behaved themselves so well. They did nothing that would embarrass me or any, any of you as well. So, and they, uh, I really believe they were blessed by it. And also, I'd just like to say that our ensemble, I don't know if you're able to watch that on television, maybe you saw a lot, some of the live stream, but uh, our ensemble, when they sang for the service there, uh, you would have been proud of them. They, they did such a good job. And, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, we hear something over and over again, and we just don't appreciate it. But uh, we have a wonderful music program here, and our ensemble did such a good job. I was so proud of them. And uh, you pray for them as they minister, and uh, I, they were a blessing to those people there. And I know they, uh, they, they said so as well. Okay, well, Joshua chapter 10, and let's look at verses 12, 12 to 14. Joshua chapter 10 and verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel." Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to be able to come into uh, the church here, to meet together as one body, and to open the Word of God. Father, we pray that you would uh, help me today as I bring forth the message, these thoughts that I have. And Lord, may we be encouraged. Maybe there's one here today who's discouraged. Uh, Maybe they're thinking about quitting. Lord, may I encourage them to keep being faithful. Maybe there's one here today that's not saved. And uh, Lord, I pray they would take that opportunity just to think about their salvation and to really consider their eternity. Father, we also pray that you'd be with our pastor. Lord, we pray you'd bless him. Thank you for the wonderful blessing that you've given him and his dear wife and their family. Pray that you would give them uh, just a wonderful time together there. And Lord, bring them back to us safely. Now, Lord, bless us now. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, God can restore us even when our wounds are self-inflicted. Do you ever uh, hurt yourself? 
You know how that feels when you uh, maybe accidentally stab yourself or cupped yourself, uh, and you might feel a little embarrassed. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's a wound, isn't it? And that wound needs to be healed. And praise the Lord, we have such a wonderful body that God has designed it to heal itself in, in so many ways. But what happens when, we, when a, a wound is not necessarily a physical wound, but let's say it's a, it's a mental wound or a spiritual wound, to the point where you say, what are you talking about? What happens uh, when maybe we fail? That can be a wound, can't it? When we fail in one way or another. And sometimes those wounds, because we, we maybe are embarrassed about it, for one reason or another, we, we don't want to admit it, or we just don't want to deal with it. And sometimes those wounds left to, to you know, well, they'll fester, and they don't find healing. And those are inner wounds. And, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, that can really harm us in our life. I can hold us back. Let me ask you this question. When you fail spiritually, where do you go for help? When you fail spiritually, where do you go for help? Joshua was a man of God. I don't think, um, I think we all agree with that. We would say he was a man of God. He was a man who did some great things for the Lord. He had many successes. Could we say that? Have many, he had many successes in his life. Uh, someone asked somebody, and he said, how would you, what would you give the formula for success. And he said, I can't really give you the formula for success, but I can give you the formula for failure. It's this, try to please everyone. You know, if you're gonna try to please everybody, then you're not gonna be too successful. Uh, you're gonna be a failure. For, and Joshua was a man who, uh, though he had many successes in his life, he had a failure. He had this failure that we're going to see today. And he made a mistake. Now, he had a lot of victories, but here was one failure in his life. You know, failing spiritually is an inner wound that's hard to find relief. But praise the Lord, we have a, we have a spiritual, a great physician who is full of mercy and grace. And he can heal those wounds. He can take care of us. And so I want to look at three ways Joshua faced his spiritual failure. Three ways how Joshua faced his physical failure. So let's take a look. Number one, Joshua faced the people not by hiding his mistake or blaming others. Go with me to Joshua chapter 9. And uh, we get a little bit more of the story Joshua chapter 9, and look what it says here in verse 16. And it came to pass at the end of three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors, and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Chephirah, and Baroth and Kirjath-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not, 
because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear unto them. You know, Israel, as they entered the land of Is, uh, the nation of Israel, as they entered the land of Canaan, they had some victories. They had the victory at Jericho. They had the victory at Ai. Even though they had some problems there, eventually they saw victory at that place. Now uh, they're, they're rejoicing in those victories, right? They're, in, they're enjoying the blessings of God. All of a sudden, the story gives us in the Bible how a group of people came to their camp. And this group of people came in saying, we are from a far country outside of Canaan, and we've heard about you. We've heard how you destroyed the, the, the Amorites, and we've heard how you destroyed the city of Jericho, and we see that your God is with you, and you're conquering nations before you. And so therefore, we have come to make peace. We want to make peace with you. And they gave proof that they were not in the land of Canaan. They showed proof that their, you know, their bread was moldy and their clothes were all worn out. Their uh, animals were tired. Everything suggested that what they were saying was true. And so Israel, the, the Joshua and the leaders, the princes, as the Bible says, they decided to make that league with them, to make that peace treaty with them. Now, the problem was that the Gibeonites, and that's who this group was, they lied. The Bible says they were wily, or they tricked Israel, because they were not from outside of the nation of Israel or the land of Canaan. They were within the land, and God had strictly told Israel, you are to destroy all the nations of Canaan, and you are not to let any of them remain for various reasons. But here, they made a league with them. They made a peace treaty with them, thereby putting themselves in jeopardy for what they had done. And after a little while, three days later, they find out that they had made a mistake. What was their mistake? Well, the Bible never says they went to the Lord and asked for help. They didn't go to God and say, what should we do? They took it upon the... Evidence that they had received, they believed them, and they made that league with them. And that was a mistake that they had made for that. And you know, Joshua admitted his mistake to the people. He had to get up and say, you know what? We made a mistake. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to do that, but that's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to, to go to someone and say, you know what? I was wrong. But that's what Joshua did. He admitted his mistake. He didn't blame it on anybody else. He, he accepted it. And you know, even though he had made that mistake and even though he had owned up to it, the people were still angry. They were mad at him. 
How could you have done this? Look what you've done. Now we cannot fulfill God's will as he would have us to do. But Joshua and those leaders realized their mistake, but they realized something else. They realized they could not go back on their word. They said, we have made this vow in the name of God. We have have made a promise to them. We have made this league with them, and we can't go back. We can't just annul that and go and do what we want to do. We have to keep our word. And so they did. And the people had to accept that. I think that teaches us something about our enemy. You know, the enemy, as described in the Bible here in this passage, uh, these, uh, the Gibeonites and the, the people of Jericho and the people of Ai, and we're going to talk about some others, we look at them as the enemy, and they are the enemy for Israel, but there's one behind all that, isn't it? And what is that enemy? That's Satan. You see, Satan is behind that. And I think that teaches us something about Satan. What's this? You know, Satan, even though uh, they were able to overcome at Jericho, even though they're able to overcome at AI, Satan doesn't give up, does he? You know, he, he doesn't say, well, forget it. I can't defeat him. I can't stop him and throw up his hands and, and say, I can't do anything. No, he keeps going. <laughs> he keeps trying. And he's persistent. And we have to understand that about our enemy. He's not going to give up just because you've had a victory in your life. He's not going to give up just because you were able to overcome something. And we have to understand that. And so he just came at Israel at a different angle. You know, he just said, well, maybe I can get them to compromise. Just a little compromise. And that's what they did. And they were, they, they, were, they were wild. They were tricked. They were deceived by that. And they had to live with that. You know, sometimes people make mistakes. I mean, that's part of life, isn't it? Sometimes preachers make mistakes. I think about my ministry uh, that I had for so many years. I have to be honest with you, I made some mistakes. I, I made some decisions that I, today I, I would stand here, I can stand here and say I, I probably wouldn't have done that like I did. Now, sometimes, some of them were just uh, mistakes because I was angry. I made a decision because I was angry. And I've learned, don't do that. Because you can hurt people, even though you're angry. I've I've made decisions that hurt people, but I thought I was doing the right thing. I actually thought, at the time, I was doing the right thing. Have you ever done that? I mean, you, I mean, you were just convinced. And then some time goes by, and you're able to look back and say, you know what? I just didn't have all the information. Or I, I, I made a decision, and it really wasn't the right one at the time. 
We all make mistakes. That's part of life. Can we fault Joshua because he made a mistake? No. Because we all make mistakes. I think what's important to realize, even though we make mistakes, and we are sometimes, we are hurt from the mistakes of others. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. What can we do? We can forgive. Learn to forgive. You know, Israel, they didn't like the mistake. They didn't like that decision those princes made, but you know what? They had to live with it. And they had to forgive. And they had to move on. You say, preacher, is that always easy? No, it's not always easy. But we can do that because we have a Savior who forgave us, forgave us of our sins. And so I can forgive someone else for their mistakes. That's so important, isn't it, that we realize that? I think another thing it teaches us is that, you know, we need to pray for our leaders. Pray for our pastor. Pray for our pastors and those involved in our ministry here because they make decisions. They make decisions that impact people's life. They need your prayers. We need your prayers because we can be fooled, because we can make mistakes. And so we need your prayers that would encourage us and help us as we are involved in lives of people, knowing the great responsibility we have. It's a responsibility, and one day the Bible tells us that we those in those positions of authority and those in those positions of leadership, we will be judged at the great throne, at the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll be judged differently than just the person in the pew. And so we need your prayers. Pray for your leaders. Pray for these these men and women who are involved in in these great places of ministry. And let's remember to, to... You know, when they do make a mistake, let's react in truth and grace. React in truth. You know, truth, yeah, I mean, seems like, yeah, the truth, but let's also remember grace. We need the grace of God as well. And then number two, Joshua faced his enemy with a promise from God. Was all lost? No. You know, even though we make mistakes, even though we have failures, Aren't you glad we got a God who can overcome it? He's not limited by our failures. And neither was Israel limited for what God wanted them to do. Let's take a look here. Let's go to chapter 10. And let's read in chapter 10. And let's begin in verse 1. Now it came to pass when Adonisic, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them that they feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city as as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty." Wherefore, Adonijah, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Pyram, king of Jamuth, and unto Japhi, king of Lachish, and unto Dur, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me, 
that we might smite Gibeon, for it had made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thine hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came up unto them suddenly and came up from Gilgal all night. You know, because of that mistake, because of that league with the Gibeonites, that put Israel in jeopardy. Why? Because Israel had a plan. Their plan was to go to every city and conquer them one by one. Every city-state to conquer them, just like they'd done to Jericho, Ai, and all the rest. But now, all of a sudden, what was happening? Because of their league with the Gibeonites, now all those Canaanite cities said, hey, let's gather ourselves together and let's all fight Israel. Let's all, let's take, you know, we're going to take our uh, anger out against Gibeon because they made peace with Israel, but let's go after them. Well, that caused Israel to have to all of a sudden change their plan. Now, instead of fighting one city at a time, now they're having to fight five at a time. And they're all gathered together against them. And they were pulled into this way of warfare, not according to their plan. But you know, because Israel had made a promise, because they had given them their word, they fulfilled their word. And they went and they took the, they, they, you know, they went and they were going to fight against these cities. Well, Joshua received a promise. He received a promise. And we read that in verse 8. What did God say to them? God said, fear them not. Fear them not. You know, this reminds me of what Moses said to Joshua before he even got started in the conquest of Canaan. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 7. Here's what the, the prophet Moses said to Joshua to encourage him. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. What a wonderful encouragement. And maybe Joshua remembered those words. Even though he had made a mistake, even though he had blundered, but God says, 
fear them not, and you'll overcome them. You know, when men fail, when men disappoint you, when people maybe make a mistake, remember, God never fails. God will never forsake you. God will never leave you. And you can always, you can always trust the Lord. And we don't have to fear. And then point number three, the third thing we learn is Joshua faced God and humbled himself and cried for help. <laughs> Notice it says in verse 10, let's go back to Joshua chapter 10 and verse 10, and the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a the great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them at Zekah and unto Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast great stones from heaven upon them to Azekah and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. You know, as Joshua faced the people, and you know, maybe we can imagine the disappointment that those people might have had in him. The fact that he had made a mistake and these, these leaders and the fact that now they were facing this large group of enemy and this huge, you know, this great force and, and having to go out and fight them. You know, he had, to, he had to humble himself, didn't he? And say, you know, I need God's help in this battle. And you know, God helped him. You see, the Lord fought for Israel. Despite what Joshua had done, God fought for them. He sent down the hailstones. And the hailstones, the Bible said, killed more people than Israel did with the sword. And what I think the miracle of that, I don't know how it happened, but those hailstones, they came down and hit the enemy, but it didn't hit the Israelites. <laughs> I mean, that's God. That's a miracle. That's, that's God fighting for them and, and keeping his word, his promise to them that I will fight for you. Be not afraid of them. And when the enemy saw that, they ran and they were able to overcome them. But there was a problem. And we've read the verses, verse 12. What was, what was the problem? The problem was the day was getting to, you know, the day was coming to an end. The sun was setting. And Joshua understood, we need more light. If we let this opportunity pass, if we don't defeat them totally today, we're going to miss out on this victory. And they'll get a chance to recover. They'll get a chance to regroup. Maybe they'll get to their, their cities back home and be able to find safety there. We need to defeat them now, this day. And so what did he do? The Bible says that he called out for help. God, hold the sun. Have, give us light. Hold this day that we might be able to have victory over our enemies. And you know what? God was gracious. 
Did God have to do that? No. But God loved his people. God wanted them to succeed. He wanted them to have victory. And God held the sun and he kept the, the day from ending and they were able to overcome and destroy all of their enemies so they could have victory that day. You see, God is gracious when we call to him. He is gracious to us. You know, let's don't be ashamed to call out to God when we fail. Let's don't be afraid. Let's don't, let's don't be so full of pride that we can't admit our own mistakes. And, and let's be willing, even though we've failed, let's call out to God because God cares. And, and God wants us to succeed. Even when we fail, God wants us to succeed in our Christian life. God wants us to go forward. But we have to call upon him and we have to humble ourselves. And maybe if you failed and you made a mistake, maybe you need to repent. <laughs> maybe you need to say you're sorry. Maybe there's someone you need to say, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Repent of that. What was Peter's advice to the pastors in the early church? Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 5. In this passage, the apostle is speaking to the elders, the pastors. 1 Peter chapter 5. And the elders which are among you, I exhort whom also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, for, not for filthy lucre, but for a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Hey, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the face, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What's he saying? He's saying, let's humble ourselves. God resists the proud. And yeah, we're going to fail. But let's don't be so proud we can't admit it. And that uh, God is a God of a second chance. Isn't he? God gives, a, God gives a third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, on and on. How many chances has God given you? Maybe you're here today and uh, you say, boy, 
I've failed so many times. Don't give up. God is a God of a second chance. You say, well, I've failed in this in my life or I've failed this in my spiritual life. Hey, humble yourselves, repent. And then God will, uh, will, will humble you. He will exalt you in due time. Remember Peter? Peter had made a terrible failure. Denied the Lord at the uh, at that night before he was crucified and, and wept and understood his failure and, and was feeling terrible about his failure. But what did, what did Jesus do when he was at that little, on the side of the Lake of Galilee and had made some supper for them while they were out fishing and they came into the shore and he had that prepared for them that night and he went to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing? Give him a second chance. Peter had humbled himself and God had given him a second chance. In conclusion today, when we fail, God's grace is sufficient for all our weakness, failings, and mistakes. There was a, there was a couple of guys back in 1957, Alfred and Mark, Alfred was from the United States. Mark was from Switzerland. And uh, they came up with a new wallpaper. And they came up with uh, this wallpaper that had bubbles in it on a paper backing. And you could take that and kind of glue it on your wall and have this kind of a textured wall in your house. Well, it was a huge failure. Nobody wanted little bubbles on their wall. <laughs> but you know, even though they failed, in 1960, they, they said, you know what, we can take this wallpaper and we can use it for something else. And in 1960, they started their company called Sealed Air. And they manufacture what we know today as bubble wrap which is a $4 billion industry. That's a lot of money. But they were able to take their mistake, their failure, and turn it around. You know, we have a great God. And he can take your failures. And he can turn those around. And he can give us a second chance. Don't be afraid to ask God for help. Let's don't let those wounds fester. They're inner wounds sometimes. They're mental wounds sometimes. And if we're not careful, we'll let them just fester and let them get bigger than what they need to. Let's, let's, let's deal with them. And let's get the, let the great physician heal those so that we can go on. And don't let them hold us back from serving Christ. Maybe here today and Maybe you look at your life and you say, boy, I've got failures in my life. My, my family, my job, my own personal life, I've got so many failures. It just seems like there is nothing that will help me. I know one person who can help you, and that's Jesus Christ. And he died for those failures. He died for those mistakes. He paid for those on the cross. And all we have to do is come to him and receive him as our Savior for, and ask him to forgive us of our sins and he will save us.
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's don't let pride keep you back from trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he can take the life of failure and he can turn it around and give you a life of hope. God can even take our blunders and turn them into blessings. You know, Paul in his life was facing a time of, you know, he felt of trial when God gave him the thorn in the flesh. And he looked at that and he thought, I've prayed three times and the Lord has not taken them away from me. What am I to do? How am I to deal with this? But he said, he came and the Holy Spirit gave him this conclusion. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's what God wants to do. When we'll give our failures over to God, when we will give our mistakes and we'll repent of them and make them right, God can take them and use them for his glory. And we can get glory, just like your life You say, my life is a mistake. My life is full of failure. Hey, turn that over to Christ and he can turn that around and your life can be a, uh, to bring a life that would glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul realized because it wasn't his strength, it was his weakness that God was willing to use. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our dear God and heavenly Father, we thank you and Lord, we just pray that you would be with the remainder of our service here today. Lord, we pray, maybe there's one here doesn't know Christ as Savior. They would seriously contemplate their own life and their own eternity. And Lord, they would come to a conclusion that they need Christ. They need to receive him as Savior. Lord, maybe there's some here today, uh, they have these wounds, these self-inflicted wounds that they're not dealing with. I pray today they would deal with those and, and come and face these failures, these mistakes, and Lord, repent of them and go forward for Christ, not be held back. So Lord, we just thank you for all that you'll do today. We give you all the glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, maybe that's you today. Uh, I don't know your heart. I don't know what God's speaking to you right now. But if he is, maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe you need to confront a failure in your life. Maybe you need to repent of some sin that you're dealing with. Would you do that today? Would you just take that opportunity to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I, I, I own this. I've done this. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to move on. Maybe here today and you're not saved. Would you take the opportunity that's here this morning to trust Christ as your Savior? We're going to have a a song of invitation coming up here very quickly. And I would encourage you, come to the front. We'll have someone take a Bible. They can show you how you can have eternal life. And no longer facing and running from failure or mistakes, we can run to the Lord. Would you do that today? As we sing this song, let's all stand together. God's speaking to your heart. Why don't you come?